podcast pals, how about a word from our friends at Mack Weldon? With a smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you are currently wearing. I am currently wearing Mack Weldon underwear. It is underwear for adults. It is built to last. It is has the, the wonderful combination of performance and feel that I desire in my underwear. In addition to looking and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities. So they work hard too. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. That's important here on House of Carbs. All that, and they are shipped right to your door. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep them, and they will refund you no questions asked. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your purchase using the promo code CARBS. That's promo code C-A-R-B-S, 20% off your purchase at MacWeldon.com. Make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own Maester, Jason Concepcion are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on the Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They will be reacting at the same time as you contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope at Ringer. Oh, podcast pals, here we are. Welcome back. Another episode of House of Cars. Part of the Ringer Podcast Network, my friends. You know this is the podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. What a show we have for you today. I have been on the West Coast all week long, visiting with friends at The Ringer. We have on today's show, Sean Fennessy. We're talking food movies. We're going to go through an entire menu of food movies. Five recommendations from Sean Fennessy. The Podfather himself is here to join us. We're talking in the food news space because Juliet's on vacation. We let her get away every once in a while. August is a good time to go away. But Bill Simmons and I are going to break down this Los Angeles eating adventure. It was a belly takeover, my friends. But first, we're going to jump in and talk about the very interesting moment we are enjoying in television right now. Food television, to be explicit and specific about it, with none other than the ringer's own Andy Greenwald. Hey, pals, let's get into that belly. All right, podcast pals, we are humbled and honored and always a little hungry, but very humbled and very honored to have this next guest. This is a ringer super duper star, the co-host of the Watch Podcast, co-host of the hit, the mega <laughs> hit Twitter video stream, Talk the Thrones. Hi, Andy Greenwald. How are you? Joe House, I'm so honored. I, I'm I'm the one who is humbled here. Come on, Be because while we, as I said to you, we we skitch along the back of a cultural phenomenon, you feed people with this show. Well, we we, we try to give the people the hungry people. You know, this is a podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. Yeah, and as as you know, as I've said to you, I really only want to talk about food and restaurants and wine. Like this is actually all I want to do. Well, this all is the TV great. stuff. It's secondary. Welcome. Thank You're you. here. I'm in a safe space. We're doing it. Yeah. House of Carbs. Um, so I have this working theory. If you don't mind, mm -hmm. I know that uh, for you, 
Um, it's, it may get occasionally tiring. Everybody wants to pick your brain on yeah. kind of, you know, uh, um, a TV angle to a particular topic. Um, with your indulgence, that's exactly what I'm going to do on I this podcast it. today. I love it. <laughs> well, here's my working thesis. And I have to give uh, a little shout out to a colleague of mine back in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say his name. El Jefe's Law. It's his Twitter handle. Okay. I'll just give him, I'll, I'll, I'll give the people uh, a reference to my boy by way of his Twitter handle. Um, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago um, where we were, we were sort of musing amongst ourselves about the sort of cultural rise of, of food. Part of the conversation me and El Jefe's Law uh, kind of uh, honed in on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was the role of the television program Top Chef Great. in this, in this you, entire moment. You're talking to the right person. I have seen every single episode oh of my every God. season. I had no idea. I don't watch any reality television except for Top Chef. That's the that, only one. Well, let, let me get your reaction to the idea mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that Top Chef played yes. a, a, a big role, not not the the predominant role, but a quite a sizable and meaningful role in, in, in the first place, sort of demystifying mm-hmm. um, the restaurant experience mm-hmm. and also uh, say, sort of taking, um, you know, something that that seemed f- foreign to folks yeah. w- w- and, and, and made it a lot more translatable and understandable and and, and something that we could participate I, in. I am a huge fan. I think it's it's intentional and revealing that I said I don't watch a reality show, but I watch Top Chef because I think Top Chef is often mistakenly lumped in with any name your reality show competition. But I think the thing that sets Top Chef apart and why why it's good and why it's still good. I think the last season is in this in Charleston uh, was one of the best seasons in the show's run because it is incredibly respectful of craft. Mm-hmm. It never fakes that part. You know what I mean? It never elides that part. The people who show up to, if there's anyone who shows up to become a celebrity or get in fights, they don't, first of all, they're not usually cast, but they don't make it past week two. Right. The show celebrates competence, or not even competence, it celebrates brilliance often. Right. And I, I watch it more like, um, when people ask me why, what I like about the show, I, I often say it's the same reason why I don't watch college sports. No disrespect to people who do. But if I have limited time to watch sports, I want to watch the best. Yes. You know what I mean? I want yes. to watch the professionals do what they do. And I'm dazzled by that. Right. So the best seasons of Top Chef, to my mind, have been the ones where you have a Michael Voltaggio, a Paul Key, a, um, even Brooke Williamson in this last season. You want people to separate and just dazzle. Right. Because it's incredible to watch. Because we get to see what it takes to do that in a way that we hadn't before. And to your, your initial point... The restaurant experience is very opaque to most people. Right. And the show doesn't shy away from the fact that the people making your food, and the show does shy away from the fact that the people making your food are often um, immigrants, often from Mexico, and the show should do more to highlight that. But that the the chefs are, you know, tattooed, often hard drinking or hard in recovery. Right. uh, Workers more than they are artisans, you know, and they have to worry about... um, you know, front of house and balancing staff and, and ramping up and putting things on the menu that people want to eat and approachability and having what you put on the plate ripped apart in front of you. And, and it makes that understandable in a way that I think uh, had been opaque before. So this is one of the points I was interested in, in getting your views on. Um, it is my view, mm-hmm. my opinion, that part of the brilliance of Top Chef and what made it so appealing right away is that the folks that appeared on the show mm-hmm. um, are not people of acclaim. These are these are hardworking yes. young people who have ambition mm-hmm. and have an avocation and want want to make a career out of a, out of out of a, the passion that they've found mm-hmm. for for cooking and that all by itself creates um, you know to the extent that you can the, the show does a great job in assembling casts where there are underdogs and mm-hmm. you know um, um, you know some brilliant kind of genius tacticians and then people with force of personality and will mm-hmm. that carry through. Um, and makes the show entertaining to watch on television. But all of those folks share the common element um, that's entirely relatable. Yeah. Which is, these are, you know, f- folks that that just have found a, their, their passion. It happens to yeah. be food. And... Um, they, the show, again, probably by design, um, I don't think it was unintentional, just in the very first, you know, the first couple of seasons that I watched, this quick fire challenge at the very beginning, mm-hmm. where here's some ingredients, now cook them. It was, it's kind of a revelation 
the going through the experience of watching them yes. do that 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 transformation it's, it's this incredible collision of artistry inspiration and um just just work yeah. You know, just like the, one of my favorite challenges every year is the one where they, as a team, have to shuck 70 oysters, open clams, break down a chicken. It's like they all know how to do that. You're right. It's, and that's hard. Or, or, you know, perfectly Julianne a carrot. Yes. They have craft, but then they also add, add that extra secret sauce of inspiration that comes out when they say, take these three ingredients and you see what they make. And you're like, oh, my God, like. How, how does the brain, how's the brain wired to do that? And I, I, um, my own self, you know, this is part of the silly part of enjoying television. Could I, what would I do? How could I, how would oh I do God. this? I what, what could I do? But I've learned quite a bit from watching the show. I, I agree. And not, not just learn, but like, like um, never kinda, make a risotto. No, and I wouldn't, you know, I don't have the patience for it and <laughs> yeah. I don't have the, you know, but, um, it does inspire. Oh, that that these things go together. This flavor profile makes sense. Yeah. I can do and, that. And, and it and it. There are other things that the show always shows that are just simple. Like, why does restaurant food taste better? Well, they salt it right. more than you think you should. Right. They uh, cook it at a higher temperature than you think you should. They use more butter than you think you should. For sure. Like you see it happen. You're like, well, oh, it's not. It, that part isn't rocket science. You see why? Yeah. But I think that the other part about the show, and this is another thing the show does really well, and it's so delicate that it did this. And a lot of this goes back to the credibility of hiring Tom Colicchio early, you know, right. and getting that, getting the respectability. And then because he's there, Eric Repair will come on or, you know, we could name any of Legendary chef. chefs. All have all been on. Have all been on. Yes. Because they've been treated with respect and they see that the show treats things with respect. Is that it gets to something essential about food and our relationship to it that can often come off as kind of wibbly in like the Food Network. Well, the secret ingredient is love. No. Like, right. The secret ingredient is probably butter. But... <laughs> The best, to, I don't know if you watched the season, but the first All-Star season, which is now like six or seven years ago, there was an episode towards the end where it's just great competitors, people who are some of the best ever to be on the show, like yeah. Richard Blaze and right. Antonia. Elon. Um, wasn't Elon on Elan, that one? I think Elon was, no, he had won, so he wasn't. Oh, it was that's all right. people who hadn't won. That's right, that's right. Uh, and the challenge was the, uh, Michael, uh, what's his name from, from DC? Um, Voltaggio? Not Voltaggio. Oh, Isabella. Isabella. Mike Isabella. Mike Isabella. Yeah. It was the Ellis Island challenge. Uh -huh. And they had a family member there and they had to cook something from their heritage. They explored their heritage oh. and they had to cook something from it. Okay. And it was this beautiful hour where they were, first of all, I love when they're all friends because yeah. they're all in it together. Right. And they're supporting each other and they're believing in each other and, you know, Italian heritage at, at Ellis Island and other people's heritage coming into play. And they cook this food from their, literally from their lives. Mm -hmm. And the judges were like near tears. And at the end of it, guess what happened? No one was eliminated. So this <laughs> broke every rule of huh. reality TV, but I found it so moving because gonna... it's like, here's what food can do. It actually can transcend, you know, the, the, the $25 entree and become some connection to people's lives and can approach art. Well, this is why it resonates. And I have to confess the, the uh, hairs in the back of my neck are standing up a little bit right yes. now because I'm, I'm recalling that episode and that emotional connection, um, you know, both that, that jumps from the screen mm -hmm. of the contestants, each other, but all of that um, reaching back into their ancestry yes. uh, and, yeah. and producing another element of the show. And again, I, I, I um, didn't necessarily intend to make this, uh, you know, the um, top chef, you know, BJ show. I don't know how else to fluffing. say it. Yeah, the fluffing. The, uh, oh, the, I, I can I can start doing criticisms on it if you want. Well, and and, and we'll ready hear to some of them. I'm you ready already, to pivot. You touched on on one of them, which is you know, kind of a lack on of of um, brown people. Yeah, if you will. I mean, well, I, we had the season with uh, Hung and Dale went one two. Yes, there there have been they've struggled, and I think they've tried to get better representation in in the in the the cast of the show. I think to criticize Top Chef, this is this is a Tony Bourdain thing that I respect him a lot for, which is people wanted people want to know a lot about where the food comes from, but they draw the line. They don't really want to know who's cooking it. That's right. They want to see the face. They want to see Emerald's name on the marquee. And I don't mean to call him out. He's actually proved to be quite an advocate for kitchen workers, but the people actually cooking your food are from Puebla, Mexico, and they've never been to, um, you know, New Orleans necessarily or, or France. You right. Know? But, uh, yeah, so representation is always an issue. Sure, of course. And it's a, and it, it, it's a challenge. The thing that um, also was uh, kind of a revelation for me um, was the demystifying of, of ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of a two-part uh, exercise. It was how crucially important it, it is to find um, ingredients 
as much as possible that are kind of native to the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like the show has always done an excellent job of, of that. Yep. I mean, even when, when they're, they're in big cities, New York City, uh, uh, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, but they're going to the markets yeah. That now, and some of it's by design, and I yeah. know it's you know television, so there's a commercial aspect to it as well. No, but, but like last season in the South, you know, in Charleston, they 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 went to barbecue place. They 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 did a whole episode on um uh you know low country cuisine and Gullah cuisine, and they like they went for it, and they had these chefs who maybe have very different backgrounds trying, and then it's okay to see them fail, right? Because their bag of tricks doesn't work here, right? It's a different it's a different thing, but that said the. In terms of the characters, everyone gets pushed out of their comfort zone, right? It's you, you can't show up. I remember the contestant Shirley Chung, who's been really good. She's been on it twice. Would getting ding for making Chinese food, and just like that's what she makes. You know, that's <laughs> right. what she does. Why yeah. would you tell her not to do it? Right. But she had to do challenges where she couldn't do that and was out of her comfort zone. But the great contestants of the show take what they do and then they elevate. And sometimes there's a moment you can see it. Like the guy Sheldon, who's been on the show twice, mm-hmm. you know, comes from uh, Hawaii, and that's very much part of his story. He plays ukulele, which I'm like, re- that's a little on the nose. Sure. When he made something, I think he was making like Simon, which is like the Hawaiian version of ramen, but he was elevating it with this mushroom stock, and it's a French technique. And like the chefs are literally like, the, the judges are like, no one else can make this. Uh, and we feel like we've been along for the ride. Like yeah. that's, that's the show at its best. That's, that's right. So let, let's use that to kind of segue. If I think we're, we're generally in agreement that it was, um, that it properly in terms of the, the, um, food moment we're having now, Top Chef played a meaningful role. Definitely. And also became very valuable to the industry in terms of fueling a next generation of, of on some level stars, cause some stars came from it, but also just, seeding the cities, the smartest contestants mm-hmm. like a Voltaggio or an Isabella didn't immediately go for a Food Network show. What right. they did was they took their winnings and their reputation, they stayed in their town, and then they slowly built quality empires of their own. That, we, you know, we, we know it to be true. I mean, Stephanie uh, Izzard. Yes, Stephanie her, Izzard in Chicago. Her place in Chicago uh, is legendary. Karen Zabraga in Philadelphia. Yep. Um, it's very smart and it helps the cities def- define their food culture, you know? And then I think I've done this. I'm sure you've done this too. When you go to a city, you're like, well, I remember what's, you know, what's her name or whatever yeah. is from here. Let's go check it Let's out. Let's go check it out. And yeah. it's also it flies in the face of some of the, um, like the Icaruses of the food world in the last 15 years, right. like Rocco Despirito or something who sure. got on TV and then tried to become celebrities when it's like, no, we got to be cooks. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. And that's why the, the Top Chef um, franchise has resonated and had yes, whereas the, the Food Network power. star one has not. No, that's exactly right. And this is a that's an, a, a crucial distinction, and this is kind of the segue that I wanted to head into with you. Um, I want to get your thoughts on kind of the moment that we're in right now on on f- kind of food TV yeah. because Netflix is mm-hmm. is doing some incredible stuff. Um, food Network has had to raise its game, but it still feels like it's a you know. Food Network is the greatest missed opportunity. Of television. <laughs> it's, it's really unbelievable. I, isn't I it? fell in love with not film. I like. I just I realized I liked this stuff. That yes. I wanted to learn how to cook, but when I was home from college. Um, and, you know, stuck in my parents' house watching Mario Batali, watching Molto Mario. Yes. And that show, think about that show. He was just talking the whole time, really cooking. Sometimes he burned the things. Right. And it was incredible. Yeah. And now that show, which is, you know, the, the version of it he wants to do, which is still the best raconteur, the best cook, cooking food, is now on Vice. Right. Because Food Network decided, no, we needed, we needed like down home things and we need stories. Or in the, uh, you know, challenges. Challenges, cupcake challenges, challenges. Baking, it, they went all in on that because it gave them the short-term fix, but they completely decoupled their network from exactly what we're talking about, which is a respectful, professional food culture. Right. Right, all of these chefs that we're talking about, Bravo, I know it's an own them, but Bravo made them. Yeah. Food Network doesn't have any of those people. It is bananas, it's, isn't it? And it's so weird. Their name is Food Network. And then they made a second <laughs> channel called Cooking Channel, which should be what Vice's Munchies is. They should have had the new generation, but instead they were like, well, we'll just buy the Australian cooking shows we don't run anymore yeah. and put them on there. It's, it boggles my mind. <laughs> so yeah, so then everyone else came in and quite literally ate Food Network's lunch. Vice, I think, has some of the best food shows around. Yeah, let's give a quick shout but, out to Action Bronson. Yeah, that show is, but that, I mean, that is a way into food that is not, certainly not stuffy. No. But it's, res- <laughs> but it's respectful. All. He's having a great time. Chef's Night Out series on Vice I still think it's the best insight into how chefs actually live, which is drunkenly. Right. Um, but you brought up Netflix, which I think is really interesting. Netflix has gone 
it's probably a good lane for them, but they've gone all in on food porn. Yes. So they have this chef's table show. Right. Which is made by David Gelb, who made the great documentary, Jira Dreams of Sushi. Discussed with Sean Fennessy. Oh, good. Yeah. I am not in on this show. Oh. It took me a while to realize it. Let me, let's, let's tick off the things. Okay. I love food porn. Yeah. I love Jira Dreams of Sushi. Yes. The show focuses each episode on a chef from around the world whom I am, fa- all of them I'm interested in. Right. And are fascinated by their story. I want to see their food. The show is too serious. I understand exactly what you're saying. The show makes them into gods. Yep. And the reason why I still think Bourdain is the most reliable watch on TV is because he is so respectful of the things that matter and of culture, but he himself will be profane or whatever, and the show will be funny and creative within that space. It's the relatability that's that's kind of missing. That's the, yeah. to me, that's the word that I use to describe the missing ingredient for that Netflix um, series. Yeah. I, I, one of the topics I, I want to talk about with you, whether it's now or in the future, I think restaurants in general are overrated. And I say that for this reason. Interesting. The exclusive experience you don't like if you go to a place and you get crushed with like their, you know, $500 30 course tasting menu or whatever. When you leave, what you remember once the wine wears off <laughs> is you remember the bill. Yes. And you remember the room. You sure. remember your company and you remember how they treated you. You maybe remember one or two dishes. Maybe the best restaurants in the world are different, but like at a certain level. The, and that's how I feel about the, the, chef's table where I'm like, you're, you're dazzling me, but I don't feel welcomed. Uh-huh. You know, I would much rather have a restaurant experience where I'm like, oh, this room feels good. This is something I want to eat. Or the sommelier was nice, you know, and wasn't belittling. Like that part of food is often forgotten. And I think the chef's table thing in Netflix in general is selling this high-end version of it. Right. That looks beautiful. It has its appeal, but I think it's ultimately a little, little cold and alienating. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The deification is, is the wrong play. Be, be, besides Top Chef, you're, you're, you know, um, obviously a devotee, and, and we've touched on Netflix. Is there any other food program of the moment that you know the hungry people must see? What, what are we, I, what, what are we, what, what I, are we missing? I wrote you this email, and I think you were so confused that you just had to move on. Like your brain hit a hard reset. <laughs> I am continuing to beat the drum for Netflix's Samurai Gourmet. Now, for people who don't know, this is available for you to watch. I am not making this up. This is a real Japanese television show with subtitles available on Netflix. And it is about a newly retired 60-year-old Japanese businessman who, now that he has nothing to do, wanders around Tokyo and goes out to lunch. And often social things make him nervous. Like he feels guilty about ordering a beer in the afternoon. And in those moments, he has a hallucinogenic vision of a 17th century samurai in the same restaurant, sloppily drinking sake and yelling at people. And this inspires him to order a cold beer, which he then drinks. That's an entire episode. There's an episode where he eats mackerel, and it reminds him of being a child. There's an episode where he orders noodles at a fancy restaurant and feels guilty about slurping them, even though it tastes better to slurp them. This show, I feel seen with this show. <laughs> that You're right. I didn't believe it. <laughs> this is it real. It did blow my mind. This is real. Like there's something that is so, it's so slow and so small and specific. But I do, I have been in a situation where I've had a day off and I wanted to order a beer in a restaurant where no one else is drinking. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't. But now I know to picture the samurai. I hope you did. And I, first of all, I did. Okay, I'm being good. modest. That's the only right answer. I'm being modest. But- good. But there, but there's something that is just so weirdly sweet and personal about this guy's adventures. Where at the end of it, the biggest drama is: is he going to think it's delicious or super delicious? Oh, this you know is I mean? my kind of guy. He's just he he takes his he takes his niece out for like uh, grilled meats, and he just gets excited because he's going to eat grilled meats that night. And guess what they do? They eat grilled meats. And it looks great. Oh, so you, you don't have to overthink it, which yeah. I think is important. Well, that's that's one of the most important elements of this 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 food moment. Well, thank you for. Um, walking down this path with me. This was an this was an honor to walk down this path hand in hand. We're going to be doing more of this because we're going to have lots of opportunities over the course of House of Carbs to talk about food on television. Thank you, Andy Greenwald. Thank you, House. Support for today's show comes from Spice Islands. 
Spice Islands takes a craft approach with their premium spices to capture the most flavor in each spice, a difference you can taste in every bottle. They sun-dry many of their spices and de-stem their chili peppers by hand to deliver the most authentic and intense flavor possible. They take the extra steps to ensure richer flavors, like waiting for their dill weed to bloom before harvesting or milling their garlic to a true powder so it doesn't add grittiness to your dishes. Better yet, friends, they maintain a strict standard for each item to ensure consistency, quality, and flavor. When you use premium spices, the flavors are richer, which makes a noticeable difference in your recipes. So whether you're looking for flavor adventure, always looking for a flavor adventure on House of Carbs, or simply better tasting meals, fill your pantry with Spice Islands. Pals, visit SpiceIslands.com house for more spice facts and delicious recipes, including one for spiced maple carrots, a quick, simple side to complement any meal. That's spiceislands.com slash house and pick up Spice Island Spices in the premium spice section of your local retailers. All right, podcast friends, it is now time for food news with the Ringer's own Juliet Littman. Juliet is on vacation this week. We permit that. And the rule here at the Ringer is whenever somebody goes on vacation, uh, the CEO of the Ringer steps in and takes their place. So we have Bill Simmons here. Hi, Bill. It's a hands-on company. I've heard that. Don't get fired. I, I won't. I won't fire myself. Okay, good. Hey, House, I have bad news. What is it? I don't have any food news. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm... I thought we could talk about our... Uh, our LA Belly takeover instead. My word. I have news about the LA Belly takeover. Here's the news. I think you gained six pounds. Oh, six is. I think I gained three. And on Thursday night, I woke up in the middle of the night because first I thought I was going to throw up and die. Like, who died? Jimi Hendrix? I thought I was going to throw up did. lying on my back and choke on my own vomit. <laughs> that didn't happen, thank God. I'm glad that didn't happen. Then. My heart was pounding and I just had like real acid stuff going on. Went down, took two Tums. Yep. I'm one of those guys who might take four Tums a year. I took two <laughs> last night. My body has not seen a salad, a barely juice? any vegetables, a, no a, juice. No juices. I've had lunch every day. I never have lunch. You're ruining my life. I'm starting to feel like Morgan Spurlock in that documentary. I'm, sorry, I'm literally deteriorating i feel like please go go back to dc the only thing i can say is you're welcome i mean (laughs) i i'm very happy to reintroduce you to the world of food uh now this was a a a planned adventure in the sense that we knew that we were a bunch of different things we wanted to tackle but it was very seat of the pants we really went with the inspiration of the moment we knew certain things we were going to hit but uh we just let our bellies guide us and we ended up I mean, should we just run through the unbelievable tour? Well, we captured it on the Instagram. We did as you do call that. it. It is the Instagram. On Ringer's Instagram, the Ringer's Instagram, but it's at Ringer. I think the highlight for me was uh, both of us had broken down. We're taping this on a Friday. Yes. We just had enough food, so many big meals, so much, so much just gorging. And I say to you, let's go walk and we'll get a salad. You're like, great. Don't videotape this. And I said, no, actually, we should videotape this. I think it would be funny to see for people to see you have a salad. So we start walking this place called Greenleaf. That's one of these artsy-fartsy California places that I like that has special juices and make-your-own-salads, all this stuff. We're on the way there, and we go by Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. (laughs) And I was like, hey, look, we should take a picture in front of the sign. And you just stop. You're like an animal. It was like watching a dog like just stop because another dog's coming. Yeah. Well, I felt very territorial. That's a you great did. way to you put got ter- it. You started staring down, like barking at the customers. All of a sudden, we're in there, and you order two entrees. Ah. And the waitress says, is this just for you? Which I enjoyed. Yeah. Because I've gotten that many, many times over the years with you because you ordered a chicken and cheese omelet with French fries. It was awesome. And a biscuit. But then also, what was the other thing? The... Uh, I don't the, the herb special. Chicken. It was the herb special with the smothered chicken, which means it was gravy. entire the entire four pieces of chicken were covered in a delicious onion gravy. 
And but then you realize you screwed up. This was after she said, "Is this oh, all for you?" And you realized right. you screwed up, and you hadn't ordered a waffle. The original so order. Then you ordered a side double waffle. Yeah, I, I the original order. There is this this the chicken comes with with waffles. I managed to order the one without the waffles. You ordered the omelet with fries instead of the waffle. I I, I did. I ordered the omelet with fry anyway. Uh, anyway, so you end up beating all of that. Well, and, and we needed to have the waffles go with the chicken, and somehow. First of all, I gave up. I I, I reaccepted gluten all week, which yes. is why I'm in a half coma. Yes, and I ended up having a chicken and cheese omelet and a waffle Perfect. at noon, which is the opposite of what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get like a beet juice and like a salad with Italian dressing and maybe a, a cucumber on it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy the to worst. be the, the 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 bad influence, but the the bad but so good. And you're not gonna let you know my belly. Uh, is 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 like a uh, like a magnet. So it's not by happenstance that we were just you know uh, walking by Roscoe's. I think the belly led us there, and it was right to an <laughs> L.A. institution. I mean, you're not really going to walk by a classic L.A. institution like Roscoe's and say, "Oh, we're no, we we talked about salad. We're going no effing way. That's not how we do it on House <laughs> of Cars." And you know what? You loved it. I loved it. I love that there were two rooms and we were put in the further away room, the tourist <laughs> section. The, it front, did, the look, front room was for the OG locals. It did. We'll just be, put it that way. It did have that feel. The back room was was. Uh, we got put in the back. A lot more touristy and diverse <laughs> diversity. But uh, the funniest thing about going to get the salad was this place, Greenleaf, is state. You have to walk by a Shake Shack to get to this Greenleaf. And in my head, I'm thinking we're going to walk by Shake Shack and House is going to stop and pull the belly magnet thing. No, it happened four blocks earlier. It's Roscoe's <laughs> it's chicken Ross, Like I said, my belly is at this stage of life. I mean, we're middle effing age. My yeah. belly knows. It knows right where the institutions are. It's, yeah. it's so like it's a compass, see, a belly compass. You get in Tuesday. We meet at father's office to try what is supposed to be um, the most raved about burger in L.A. It was an outstanding burger. Outstanding I, burger. Over the course of the week, I feel like we've denigrated it, and I don't mean to denigrate it. It was really wonderful, really well done. It's a particular kind of burger. That's it's all. how like Kevin Love got too much criticism for what he is, which is he's like the 28th best player in the league. Yeah, he's still in and the people, top 30 in the whole yeah, effing league. And people talk about him like he's a liability now, and he's not. The father's office burger, not a liability. But I thought you made the key point, even though it was a creative burger. That I liked what they did with the bread. Mm. Um, no ketchup, which I think is pretentious. Well, not the no ketchup. Don't tell me how to eat something. Yeah. Well, I don't mind not having the ketchup on the burger. The ketchup doesn't go with the burger. But not having, but serving French fries in any place and not having ketchup with garlic for French aioli. fries. Get, yeah. get, I mean, our friend on. Brad got very upset about that. He <laughs> thought he thought the place was too pretentious. There was no waiting list for the tables. It was a free for all, but. I don't like being told. I, this bothers me with sushi too. Yeah, like Sugarfish will do this, where where they say we we don't serve soy sauce. You get the sauce. We're, you're not allowed to put soy sauce. That's not how we intended it. It's like I'm 47 years old. I want to yeah. make my own choices. If I want to yeah. put some mustard on, on on your fucking cheeseburger, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I I will say I don't mind the chef asking patrons to try it the way that yeah, he imagined ask it. Me. Yeah. But Ask me, don't tell don't, me. Yeah, the insisting is a little over the top. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. We rectified all wrongs, though, with the next visit. We went immediately from Father's office. Apple Pan, 2.6 miles away. God a short, A short little jaunt at 9 o'clock at night. I highly recommend that little two-step, by the way, if you're ever down for a couple burgers. Yeah, the problem is trying to get a table at Father's office. The, the tragedy of it was when we went to Father's office, the Let's Be Frank hot dog trunk had, had closed for the night. And that is the best hot dog in L.A. And it would have been nice to do the father's office burger. Oh, you got to wait 20 minutes to sit down. Oh, let's go to the hot dog truck and have the best hot dog in L.A. We weren't able to do that. That yeah. made me sad. We'll, we'll plan better next time. So then we went to Apple Pan, which you loved. Old school. Here's the food. No conversation with the waiters. But they uh, were smiling. They were just working their asses yeah, off. Yeah, two burgers you've choose from. Steak burger, hickory burger would have bacon. Yeah. Uh, fries. Yeah. A couple soda choices. Perfect. Move, get out of here in twenty minutes. Well, no, leave. That, we can't. We can't. It's not just the burger stuff. Then you get to the pie portion. You of like the, meal. the burger a little more? 
Well, I, I, I like the burger. I, I, they're to, totally different burgers. The burger at Father's Office is, is a gourmet. It's a chef design. It's a visionary burger, right? The guy had a particular inspiration for it. He executed that inspiration. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a different. This is a counter burger at, at Apple Pan. It's a classic diner counter burger. It's the best version of a diner burger. Yeah. They put it in a, it's it's wrapped in a in paper. Yes. No plate. Nope. So you get it all, you spill it all over the Everywhere. place, right That's on the right. counter. This is when I found out you had OCD. <laughs> you had to go wash your hands. I'm like, it what are you doing? Funny. You're like, yeah, I have to wash my hands for you. I'm like, what? I've known you for 29 years. When did this start? Recently. I'm like, okay. Well, no, it's been going on. I just, you know, didn't call attention You're to like, it. You're like, sometimes I like to dress up like a soldier of war and get prostitutes. I'm like, that, that that's how surprised not, I was. That, but now, that's if you not had said that, <laughs> If you had said that, I would have been less surprised than... than washing uh, my hands? Yeah, I have to wash my hands for my eat. It's like, I used to go play basketball with you, and we would go to Fat Dickies, and you would eat barbecue with your hands after playing after playing basketball. I think touched I washed by my hands people. before. I'm pretty sure I did. So anyway, we loved apple pan, the banana cream pie. The banana cream pie. Which was, is always good, but that one is no, just loaded with I, bananas. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. I love the temperature of it. It had a really yeah. nice chilled vibe to it. And that, re- that really- A lot of whipped cream, too. Yeah, like the right amount of whipped cream. So that was a good first start. That was a good- Great kickoff meal. So Wednesday, I brought you over to my mom's house. It was a surprise. You didn't tell me. They didn't tell you. You were just like, oh, I don't know what our lunch plan is. My mom cooked for the entire day of Tuesday, made brujols, meatballs, and sausages, and And we annihilated those. We we annihilated, and it was such a... a tender moment. You 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 said we're gonna go see my mom. We go up and the, as soon as you hit the door, bam! You knew by you the could smell. smell. Yeah, exactly. you were like an animal. You're like sniffing around, like <laughs> well, how, I mean, you know, how again, my dogs do when my, there's like food coming. My like, belly magnet. What's that? Yeah, my yeah. belly magnet knew. So the brujal. You finally tried my mom's brujals. It's just spectacular. It's so rich. It's such a wonderful. And she was she was down talking. This these steaks weren't my yeah, perfect steaks. Yeah, she this isn't the that. size that she I like. She lowers expectations. Boy, oh boy, they're a little salty. The Provolone might be a little salty on this batch. Come on, Jamie. Yeah. They were unbelievable. We we enjoyed them here back at the office and then called in all kinds of folks yeah, to come. Some people sample. tried them out. Because that's the best way to eat that kind of food. We yeah. all shared it. We saw Lombardi the next day. He got to enjoy some of the salt. Very salty. I forgot how salty the Brujal is. I wow. thought that that got the I think our salt intake was at an all-time high. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know how you get salt out of the blood. I would like somebody to send me a, a suggestion. The problem is what my mom made should have been the biggest meal you had in a day. And I include you or me. Like you do that. That's like, that's my big yeah, meal. Well, and then right. you, you take right. it easy in the other meal. That was easily a less smaller um, junior meal to what ended up happening. Chris it, Chen, our friend, took us to San Gabriel Valley, which I had never really been to. And had no, it, I had no idea how expansive it was and... You know, there's a Chinatown in LA, and this goes a whole other level. And we start out at Kang Kang Food Court. Kang Kang, Kang, Kang food, food Court, court which I, we were both dubious, like food court. You go in, there's signs all over the place. If you eat the dumplings, like you might get scalded by the hot <laughs> like water. You might never, you might go to the hospital with third degree burns. There was a great beef thing that we ate. The beef roll. We have video of all of these. Yes. The beef roll was tremendous. The beef roll was sensational. The uh, and this dumpling. Was one of the best things I've had. When we had the the uh, the pan fried bao, the name of which I'm going to butcher because it doesn't it like roll. Bao John, it's a small. We uh, said it in the video. Yeah, whatever it is, it's their specialty. Shanghai pan fried, yeah, ju- juicy pork. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they were they were baos. Yeah. They were the pan fried baos with the soup inside. And they managed to fry the dumpling, but also inside's the pork. But then it, it's almost like you described it like a soup. Because so the water, the water inside the dumpling, which is 185 degrees, operates as the soup that houses the pork, but then somehow doesn't soak the dumpling. Yeah, it was extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, we would be criticized. It's a Shenzhen bao. That's what we. That's Shenzhen what it was. bao. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to yeah. keep it real. So that was fantastic. Then Chen takes us to go get a foot massage at his secret foot massage place, which <laughs> is an this hour. Is true. And we think it's a foot massage. They put our feet in scalding hot water. It burned my feet. And then, I'm not going to lie. And then annihilate our entire bodies. We're just wearing normal clothes. They're, yeah. they're killing us. Yeah. And hitting all these spots. What they call it? Like the nerve. Reflexology. Reflexology. And they're saying, talking to Chen in Chinese about how, oh, you, you're having digestive issues. Like they can tell all this stuff. It, it puts so much blood and gets our blood going and, and, and it 
it brought out one of the great eating performances I've seen from you. Well, I because then we went to Uncle Yu's and we, we got a whole bunch of, of uh, Chinese food. Yeah, part of the thing. Uh, so the, the the massage the when you're in the on the food tour, a massage interlude. I can't recommend it enough. That in fact may very well be what the house recommends. Come and get it. Oh, the house recommends like, a house massage recommends. between meals. If you know that you're gonna go to a to a place and you're going on a food tour, yeah, make sure one of the spots in there, somewhere in there, you set aside a little time for yourself. This was in over an hour for a massage, so it's a lot of time to set aside. Part of the thing this is that was so curious about it. Chen knew that in the San Gabriel Valley, restaurants close early, but he insisted that we get the massage. Like he he tra- he traded some of the food options that were available to us for the massage i think he made the right call i think he did it brought out frankly one of the one of the best performances i've seen from you because not only did we go and have the second meal at uncle Yu's, which I, the food wasn't as good as the kang kang food court it was good i, I like the beef soup they had they had a couple other things yeah that the were west good. lake soup was outstanding west lake soup was really good yeah but you were also still hungry after we left. I was. And we had passed this place called The Hat. Another L.A. institution. That has the world's best pastrami sandwich. It's on the sign. That's what it says. World's best is always you're throwing your cock out at that point. Uh, you're basically it. pulling it out. And you'd be like, this is the world's best whatever. Okay. And Show me, MFR. Yeah, show, show us. So we go. Unbelievably good pastrami sandwich. I thought you were just going to get that, but we also decided to try the hot dog because we'd heard that was good. It was good. And for some reason, the guy goes, "Do you want fries?" And you go, "Yes, I'll take I'll take fries." He goes, "Small or large?" And you go, "Large." <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was a great big and you got giant a coke. sack of fries. I needed the coke, of course, for the and pastrami. And you you didn't eat the whole pastrami sandwich, but you ate, I would say, sixty two percent of it. I, no, 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 more than that. Seventy five percent of yeah, it. Yeah, there was only a couple bites left. That was delicious. The it hot was dog was really, really, good. really top notch. The hot dog was sensational. Really the, good. The, the salty fries and that big sack. You just reach your hand in. This is why I ordered the large i didn't know it was going to come in a giant bag but uh, i always have this uh when you're when the choice between large and small fries comes and i get to explain my philosophy a little bit i share this with you live and in the moment um it feels like i just want to tilt the odds in my favor if i get the large it feels like i'm guaranteed six to eight great fry bites I didn't know it was going to be a giant bag. That bag had in it probably a dozen wonderful fries. It was the biggest bites. bag of fries I've ever seen. It was an awesome bag of fries. It wasn't the large. Fries. It was like, it was <laughs> it was like when you order extra. the XL car and Uber or yeah. something. It and was they gigantic. were really well prepared. You know who could use really well prepared fries like that to accompany what they try and serve? Father's Office. Father's Office fries offerings nah, were shoestring we, and, we've and, given and, up and on sweet Father's potato. Office. I mean, great I fries say, like that. And we got ketchup. Ketchup. People of L.A., it's right off the 10, even though it's San Gabriel Valley. It's right. It was very close to the 10. Closer than I realized, bad for me and my family because we love hot dogs and my son loves pastrami. So you're I feel going like, back. I feel like this trip, you're going to, this is going to be the turning point for me. We're like, wow, Bill gained a lot of weight. What you're happened? welcome. You're yeah. welcome. So then Thursday, uh, we take Danny Chow of, of The Ringer who made best food writing, the best food writing book in 2017. Did you know that first hot chicken piece? I knew it was a long form. Yeah, uh, made, he made that form book. Award. So um, we take him to, to Cassell's in K-Town for the best patty melt ever. It's a wonderful patty melt. Which I don't want to spoil. We we did a pod with Craig Gaines that you're running much later, yeah. but we talked about how good the patty melt was. Yeah. And I think the thing we both loved was their, the bites. It's either a patty melt bite, but then it's not all burger. So there's some bites that are like grilled cheese bites too. That's there, what really makes it special. There's a cheese crisp element to it. And I yeah, would love to too. watch them do it. Ugh. I'd love to see how they prepare it to get that crispy edge on the, on the side because you can grab the crisp end and pull and get this wonderful strand of cheese. I'm not sure Danny might have taken a picture of it. It's yeah. absolutely sensational. And Bill's point is absolutely on the money. It is a patty melt that that doubles down as a as a unbelievable grilled cheese. So good. And then when we were leaving, the guy who owns it recognized us and told us how between Chang and 
us talking about it, they we bumped business for them, which I I frankly was not happy about. <laughs> I want to be able to walk in there whenever I want and get a patty melt. I don't like I don't want lines out the door. Now I'm not recommending. I might do false recommendations where I talk about how bad places are to keep so I can keep going. Dude, in there. we got seats. No, it was, it was good. It was, fine. was outstanding. No, I was, I was happy. We, how about the vanilla milkshake appetizer? Oh, <laughs> we did that. Was it the, well, I have great milkshakes. It was a malt, a vanilla malt. That we was, didn't eat that whole thing because no, we want to say no, room. no. Then we went to Kyochun. Chicken. We did. Kyoshan. Korean. Chicken wings. They had honey. They had soy ginger. And they had the hot wings. I The honey, to me, they're basically like baked chicken wings. Yeah. And the honey, to me, is is well, no, one of fried. the best things they're I've fried. eaten. Or they're, fried. Yeah, they're crispy. They have a special technique. The but Korean they almost feel like they're... I know they're fried, style. but it feels like they're baked. Yes. No, that's why I, I only wanted to correct you to keep the, the food Nazis off your back. But I understand exactly the point you're making. Um, they do. They they end up with a texture that's so crunchy. It's un. It's so unorthodox. Yes. I don't even know really totally how to describe it. I ended up having like five, which I didn't expect. Then uh, then we we went to house because we had to go to house H A U S. So because yeah. I wanted to try the tiramisu ice cream, which you did not finish, but you had enough bites to to understand right. why that's we one of the best respect. desserts in we LA. We paid our respects to house, the tiramisu. Tiramisu in the top, but then underneath it, it's almost like Oreos are in the bottom. Yeah, there's, there's delicious it's a special crunchy surprise. cookies. It's a special surprise. It really is. A special <laughs> surprise at the bottom. So then we went to Wolfgang for dinner in Beverly Hills, which I think is the best steakhouse in LA because yeah, I wanted to, to have business. the ice cream sundae. Yeah. yeah. We had to do some business, but then we also had, you, you've been sending me pictures of the ice cream sundae at Wolfgang's. You ordered fish, which was disappointing, but probably your doctor would have recommended that. But then you had, I would say, 40% of Louis K's filet mignon. It was delicious. You had uh, a couple big bites of my veal parmesan. Oh, that was that was really, that was underrated. How did you like that veal parm? You I barely were able to save me any bites. I know, because I really enjoyed it. You I did. told them to pound it, and they did, and they the guy came over it. And he said to me, didn't we, did we pound the veal enough for you? I was like, you did. It was well pounded. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bunch of sides that were great, and yeah. then the Sunday came, and you had a few drinks. Sent over a couple of delicious bites of his um, porterhouse as well. Oh yeah, the porterhouse. Yeah, we, I think that's in the Instagram. Yeah, One you, of those great segments. There's an Instagram of you eating the ice cream Sunday, and you've you. I won't. I won't say you've been overserved, but you've. <laughs> Was heading there? It was a moment when I was time to let it all hang out. That's all I'll say. And you started to eat the ice cream sundae. At some point, there was a table of women behind us. I don't know what you're a, talking a about. Celebrity, and they, they wanted a bite of the sundae. You I, gave them a bite of the sundae. I made sure she got a bite. <laughs> it was a house of carbs moment. <laughs> I made sundae. sure she got a bite. <laughs> you're doling sundaes out. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> but uh, but I wasn't wrong on the sundae, right? It was spectacular. I gave it an A+. plus. It's on the Instagram. Please check it, friend. Really good. And then uh, and then Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. Yeah, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Roscoe's Chicken today. and Waffles House. I can't even talk anymore. I'm in a coma. <laughs> chicken and Waffles. The waffle, just quickly on the waffle. Like yeah. uh, You tried it. I thought it was interesting. You tried it without the syrup first to get a taste for the waffle. Yep. I wanted to see what the, the flavor profile was. So there's some vanilla in there. Vanilla. Cinnamon. Some cinnamon. And uh, and and it's soft. And it, What's yeah. interesting is they don't overcook them. It's a really spongy texture, which you might you don't say. I don't want a spongy waffle, yeah, but it's, it's almost very, wet. But it's, it's not thin. wet. It's thin. It's not quite in the in the vein of a crepe, but it's more like a crepe than a big crispy waffle. Yeah, That's and then the, the, the waitress asked if you were from the south, which I enjoyed. Well, because I called her ma'am. Yeah, 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 and I have those manners. It was good. It was a, it was uh, not a healthy way to spend a Friday lunch, but probably it was good. not. Yeah. And then the part that we don't know yet, but we we were going to Hamasuko, Hamasaku, Hamasaku. <laughs> I know how it's spelled. Hamasaku for sushi. We're having sushi tonight, which is is the stealth great sushi place in LA. Okay, I'm sure I'll be hungry by then. I'm not hungry right now. Good ender sushi. Good ender sushi. The interesting part is you can eat more sushi than anyone I've ever seen. We'll see so, what happens. Apologies to all the Mexican food out there. We were not able to do that this time around. That's the next trip. Next trip. If uh, if you if you have any Mexican food favorites for us, yeah, uh, send that to at House from DC on the Twitter. Yeah, or, or the, the or the Gmail right House oh, of yeah. Carbs House of Carbs fans at gmail.com. You yeah. can send them there too. Because I got to be honest. I don't know what the best Mexican place is. I've had a lot of B minus to B plus ranging Mexican 
have not had the overwhelmingly unbelievable Mexican experience yet, which is strange because you would think out of any city it would be LA that yeah. would have it. Yeah, here I'm back in a month, and what I here's what I'm going to ask. I would like to try. We have to crack the Mexican code. We have to yeah. figure it out. I want to eat some Italian. I want to see how LA is tough Italian. Italian seed. You're well, not going to be. You're not going to be happy. We also we didn't touch pizza. You got the best Italian with my mom. Uh, that, I did get the best Italian with your mom. You're right. The the homemade. So let's scratch Italian. But what about pizza? Pizza in like LA. He, I, Lombardi and I, we were talking about this with the Italians. I could say this because I'm half Italian, so don't don't try to get all pious with me. The Italians are allowed to make fun of themselves. Mm. I don't care about your outrage culture. Sure. Lombardi and I decided that the Italians, the reason the Italian food never made it here and L.A. doesn't have a North End, because they were on their way here, but they stopped in Vegas, and that was it. They stayed. They never, yeah, they just stayed they in Vegas. Vegas. They never left. Vegas. They left, never left Nevada. Can't blame them. That's why we don't have a North End here in L.A. Okay, I don't blame fine. them either. I don't judge that. I what don't about judge pizza? the Italians. Can I have pizza next time I come? Pizza's Is that fine. Worth an effort. No? The Ethiopian, I think, was was. I was going to throw that at you as a possibility. Well, you know what? Uh, that's an interesting suggestion. There's, a little, there's little Ethiopia. Well, there's a, in L.A. It, it, it's little. It's not very long. I, uh, Washington D.C. is. Um, not probably not. I wouldn't say notorious. That's not the right word, but has a very established Ethiopian culture. And part of my, as a teenager, ethnic experimentation was the Ethiopian food. Right. So I feel like I'm an OG when it comes to Ethiopian. Nephew Kyle is into ethnic experimentation. I've heard that about him. <laughs> How long was this, Kyle? Oh, stop. can we bump fantasy? No, we Let's can't bump, bump fantasy. fantasy. Let's bump them. Introduce them at the beginning, then bump them. That'd be great. First the Owen 16th season, then he gets bumped from House of Carbs. Now nah, we so don't fa- want to bump fa- fantasy. Fantasy's going to be the uh, Matt Damon of House of Carbs. Yeah, yeah. Apologies, <laughs> to apologies to Sean Fantasy. Can we do that? I'm fine with it. Look, <laughs> it's the CEO. What am I going to say? Uh, I'm just a lowly podcaster. I thought it was a very successful trip. I would mix in some salads next time. Next time we'll do something. Healthy. I was glad Ruby, Ruby, who runs social for us, was so excited. We bumped our Instagram to 50,000. She's the biggest House of Carbs fan on the planet now. No, thank you, Ruby. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out here. Thanks House. for having thanks me. Thanks for Can't having me. Be back out. Next week, Food News returns with the great Juliet. Absolutely. All right. All right, podcast pals, we've done it. My apologies to Sean Fennessy. We ran out of time. Ooh. <laughs> we will definitely get you on another podcast, Sean. He's made as many House of Carbs appearances as he's going to have Jets victories this year. Oh, no. Zero and zero. <laughs> Poor fantasy. <laughs> Let's go, Patriots! Poor fantasy. Podcast pals, as always, keep sending in your outstanding recommendations, suggestions, the pictures, the comments. We love it. Hit us up with a review on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Keep subscribing. And in the meantime, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs> <laughs>